0: We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Kolchak, the Night Stalker episode, Mr. Ring. And before I do the summary of this, I'm just going to say that someday, someday, I'm going to figure out the pattern that my brain imposes on me when I'm doing these synopses. Because sometimes the synopses are like, hey, hey, Kolchak goes to this place, he finds a thing, and then he kills it, and it's over. And then other times, it's like this one. So, um, synopsis, Mr. Ring. Dr. Avery, a Nobel Prize-winning scientist, is carrying out his orders alone in the lab. On the table, a robot. When Avery looks away, the robot kills him and escapes. Later, the robot kills a postal worker and takes his clothes, then breaks into a shop and steals a mask to conceal his face. Carl Koljak returns to the office to find Ron Updike in a very good mood. Why is he happy? because Kolchak is in trouble. It seems Kolchak followed up a lead to a murder investigation that went nowhere and spent the rest of the day fishing. Now Updike has been given a major story in a trip to San Francisco, and Kolchak has been assigned to the obituaries. His first task, the death of Dr. Avery, dead by natural causes. The file material on Avery is very out of date, and Kolchak goes to visit Avery's widow. She's very drunk, and not too broken up about her husband's death. She tells Kolchak where her husband worked, the Tyrell Institute, the name of the woman he was having an affair with, Dr. Dwyer, and the name of the top-secret project they worked on, Ring. Avery's widow is also under surveillance, which Kolchak spots immediately. He is on to a story. He taunts the watcher as he leaves, and he is himself followed. A crime call comes in on his radio, and Kolchak responds. It is the robot in his disguise, so it's not obvious what he is, breaking into a mortician's. He trashes the cops and escapes. But the police captain imposed restraint on his men, not allowing them to shoot the escaping robot. His... Excuse me? He stole cosmetic supplies for the use on corpses. Kolchak sees the man that was following him talk to the police. Turn about his fair play, and Kolchak follows him back to the Tyrell Institute. They won't let him in the door. He visits Leslie Dwyer, Avery's attractive co-worker and supposed lover. She's been fired from Tyrell, but doesn't give Kolchak any information. He notices that she has cassette books for the blind on her desk on the subject of philosophy. Meanwhile, the robot uses the supplies he stole from the morticians to build himself a face. Kolchak's investigations are turning up the heat on Tony Vincenzo. Both federal and local governments are threatening him, but Kolchak refuses to give up on the story, and to Tony's credit, he lets Kolchak run with it. Once again, Kolchak follows a crime scene to the robot. This time, it broke into the library and tried to take Books for the Blind on the Philosophies. The robot then breaks into Dwyer's apartment, and soon, she's missing. But Kolchak tracks her down because, after her disappearance, she checked out Books for the Blind on Philosophy... From the library. He breaks into her summer home and finds her and the robot, the result of Project Ring. The robot came to her for help. Avery had been instructed to deactivate it, and the robot wanted to live. It killed him to avoid dying, but it is learning and growing, and Leslie was teaching it humanity at the Tyrell Institute, whereas the military wanted it to be a weapon. That is why she was fired. Now she's trying to complete its programming and convince Kolchak to have sympathy for the robot. He asks it questions, including value judgments like, Who had the greater right to live, you or Dr. Avery? While the robot ponders the question, the military arrive and destroy it. As it dies, it calls out to Dr. Dwyer, calling her mama with its last words. Kolchak is taken, interrogated, and drugged, and made to almost forget the whole story. He struggles to record it all before he forgets completely.
1: And that novelization of Mister Ring was written and read by Eugene Glover. Yes,
0: a book for the blind, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mister Ring, what do you think?
1: This this one um, didn't quite go where I was expecting it to go, and uh, I I quite liked being a, a bit surprised by it. I, I mean, there were a couple of there are a couple of things in there that are a bit kind of classic Kolchak in the sense that. Right at the start of things, we've got another super strength villain mm. on the street beating up, you know, hordes of Chicago PD's finest. Albeit for once they're not firing their guns at him, but you know, still we've got a shouty police captain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, and we've also in the in the monster got a a, a kind of very um, basic looking but humanoid robot uh, android Mm -hmm. um which couldn't help but remind me of the the cybernauts the 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 classic um avengers villains so i think you know unprecedented uh in having two sequels about them um but it doesn't it doesn't go down that kind of the, the the cybernaut cybernetic route it's actually much more um you know, it's Johnny Five is alive, kind of territory. By the end of it, with Leslie Dwyer kind of teaching it and recognising its uh, obviously humanity is the wrong word, but um, potential, um, yeah. yeah, and and its selfhood and and inviting Kolchak to to recognise that. So, so you know, for once, instead of Kolchak getting out a hammer and a stake to hammer through it he's actually on the side of protecting it or attempting
0: sort to protect of yeah.
1: it because he goes out there and he goes out there to argue with the
0: the military uh, with yeah.
1: the military on behalf of, of of Dwyer and 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 Mr. Ring so he is he is brought round um he, he's brought
0: round and I, and I, what really is the piece I'd like to have heard more on, but we didn't have time, was what would Ring have said, if anything, about who had more right to live, you or Dr. Avery? Obviously, at the time, the robot was acting in what it felt was self-defense. And Kolchak understands that. And it still puts the question to him because it is, it's a moral judgment. And I would have, um, I would have loved to have had a little bit more of that because clearly Kolchak isn't 100% on the robot's side. No, they no, recognize I recognizes it as a killer, and you know the postal worker in particular, that guy. Sorry, but certainly he has sympathy for it at the end to some degree, and and so does the audience. I think that's probably the the, the biggest takeaway from this is that you know by the this is a monster turning into a not monster yes. as the episode yes. goes along,
1: and I th- I think I think I mean. Maybe it's my own sensibilities watching previous episodes, but I have felt in some cases that the so-called monsters are redeemable, but Kolchak's just sort of stormed in and hammered something through their heart, and that's that. And yeah, admittedly, by the end of this one, the monster is still dead, so, you know, the, the script kind of requires that, even if Kolchak may at least do something to to uh protect it but i mean i th- i th- i think I, d- I don't i i think you're right it would have been interesting to hear how the how mr ring responded to that question because what i was rooting for by that point was some way in which not only could you see you see him being redeemed but there could be some way of um having having him get away and it, it you know it's very hard to imagine how that would uh, plausibly occur but mm-hmm. that, that that that's where that's where you end up you kind of think this isn't this isn't just this isn't just now this this
0: is uh, yeah this is an atypical episode and it's another one that i'm i've been looking forward to to getting because here's another one where i want to say you kind of see the x-files here
1: don't you in certainly its i mean we've been talking about the the conspiracy aspect um in uh gosh the they have been they were the the alien one We had. no i wasn't thinking so much of the i wasn't thinking so much of the alien one um oh it'll come back to me uh Couple of episodes back, anyway. The, the 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 what we have seen is an evolution of stories going from where you you literally just have a some kind of single uh phenomenon like a vampire or whatever who no one else knows about, only Kolchak knows about. Mm-hmm. Whereas gradually, what we've been getting is stories where actually. A load more people are aware of what's going on, and sometimes have their own agendas, but never so much and so clearly as in this story, where you have the the Department of Defence and 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 its and its influence running all the way through. For example, the 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 police response to this, you know, that's the reason they're not shooting because they've been ordered not to, in order not to harm it. Yeah,
0: I'll throw a couple of of trivial things out there While on that On that thought Um, The Tyrell Institute Does that ring any bells? No, have we heard of that before? We have not heard about it in Kolchak And I couldn't find I couldn't find definitive proof But I certainly was able to find Enough people who had spotted it Um, Classic Ridley Scott film Blade Runner the replicants are all made by the Tyrell Corporation.
1: Oh. But Blade Runner was made in 82, so you're saying Ridley Scott got it from Kolchak? Quite possibly.
0: Because in the book, Philip K. Dick's or novella, or whichever it is, uh, Do Androids mm-hmm. Dream of Electric Sheep, it's a different corporation name altogether. Yeah. So it was picked for the movie, and boy, does it fit. You know, it, yes. it's the kind of little yes. thing that somebody who go, goodness me, yes, and picked it out. Couldn't couldn't find any um, Ridley Scott comments saying yes, but a lot of people saw it and a lot of people checked it and looked back to see if the books, because, of course, if it had come in the book, then that would have predated predated Kolchak, but it didn't. So that's just one, just just one of those things that could be part of this 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 sort of the night stalker is sort of a martyr to the rest of the (laughs) you know the the show didn't make it i mean you know we're we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna have to come to this harsh reality that that the night stalker just was not a success as a tv series and yet we keep seeing stuff pop up in the next generation of filmmakers or even the same generation of filmmakers over the years in in films and stuff. And it's,
1: it's a, it's a question of defining success though, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm not one of the kind of fully paid up subscribers to the view that Colchak is a masterpiece, Mm -mm. but no, it, it, it was intended to be 90 minutes of, of television. And it then, you know, it, it was successful enough to spawn a couple of sequels, and then one of those sequels became a, a, a TV series. And okay, the TV series only lasted twenty episodes, which I guess on your side of the pond is seen as quite a short run. Yeah, but that doesn't that the, there are shorter TV series that I think are entirely successful. So yeah, it, does, yeah. it doesn't kind of invalidate and it. In, and, you know, in some ways, um, the things being cancelled are... are a bit, for example, the fact that um, The Night Killers wasn't made, uh, it, it would have had the, the, the android replicants in it that the aliens were supposed to be planting. Oh, that's right, that's right. And so we wouldn't have had this android story, which, in my opinion, is vastly more interesting than anything that was proposed for the night killers appeared to be yeah that's fair that's fair
0: um another question on the trivia side when you were watching this because even i didn't remember when i was watching this so i'm assuming you probably did not catch it until they spelled it out it used to be books on cassette were in the united states they just didn't exist except in libraries for the blind. That was just a that was just a thing. And so when mm-hmm. he picks up the book and it's on cassette, my mind kind of turned to now audio cassettes, you know, or not cassettes, but you know, audio books and not weird. Not something you'd look down and go, <laughs> Oh, that's that's strange that she'd have this here. But thinking about the fact that she's not blind and he looks down and she's got books for the blind would be kind of weird because, you know, he just picks up the cassette and sticks it in his pocket or uh, later on. And it's just like, what, why is that? Why, why does that arouse suspicion in your mind? Because it clearly did, but it, it just seemed like, you know, it, it seemed like she, he picked up a book on her desk and, oh, a book. Huh. That's suspicious. And then, uh, so I don't, I don't know. Cause then of course you guys have a much, um, longer and uninterrupted tradition of audio dramas as well and, and audio medium. So well, I, I it's kind of if that play. was even, well, yes, but I, I don't know. I mean, did was, if I look back at the, um, obviously doctor who related kind of stuff, I see things that were put out in audio form years ago when still in this
1: country, it was still books for the blind kind of era. So. Well, I no, I I mean, I think I, it's it's probably I'm 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 no kind of audiobook historian, but my guess is that it's due to the Walkman. Um, I I I'm certainly an enthusiast, and I started picking up releases of radio shows that were being made on cassette when they when they began to become a kind of popular market thing rather than, as you say, a specialist thing, which was in the late nineteen eighties with things like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and The Goon Show. And that whole market absolutely exploded, but I I don't I don't know if I don't know if people would have listened to things in the same way with the older technology. There's something about the the portability and convenience of the way in which um, these things developed in the 1980s, that meant that listening to a cassette became as easy as just listening, you know, just pick up a transistor radio and have it on your kitchen counter or whatever. And you could do, you could do something like that. Whereas I don't know if the gear in the night, I, I don't know if the night in the 1970s, your, your average casual listener would have been sitting down in their living room, and putting a a tape into the hi-fi. Yeah, <clears> on <throat> music only. That would that would be for listening to music, but you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't sit down and 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 listen to. I I I mean I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of fascinating. Um, sociology of of audio drama to to be explored. By the way, uh, the Walkman, but, but 1979. Seventy nine. Okay, so. But yeah. that so, would have been in Japan. So, if, so. If, I'm th- if I'm thinking this kind of stuff was popularized in the late 1980s, initially when the Walkman came out as a way of listening to music on the move, but obviously okay. people start finding other uses for it. And uh, once once the BBC started to notice there was a market for some of this stuff, they were obviously aware that they were sitting on a huge archive. I don't think they... The Archers! Had, would. <laughs> Well, even you know something like um the goon show there are still i don 't know hundred and sixty odd episodes, probably most of which are surviving, and uh you know they they were probably thinking they 'd done quite well when when putting four of them out, they sold okay and they put another four of them out, kind of thing um, yeah,
0: so anyway, I just uh, was curious about that one because it it took me a while to even having seen this a few times. It took me a while watching it again to cotton on to that. It's like, right, 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 cassette tape. just That's just not not common. A book on cassette is just not mm-hmm. common back then at all. And yeah, you know, based on the Walkman paradigm here, um, looking at Wikipedia, then, yeah, clearly it would have been into the 1980s before that became um, probably by 1984, the year that the computer is going to take over for all of us, according to Kolchak. Indeed. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, I I, I just 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 on that, on that, uh, I mean, relating to that conspiracy question, obviously, um, one aspect of the conspiracy is they tried to get at Kolchak through INS Mm -hmm. and lent on Vincenzo, Mm -hmm. who folded like a very weak spoon in a strong wind. But he didn't. He let he let, let Kolchak go ahead. He, he know He was all for shipping him off to San Francisco and not telling him why.
0: Oh, okay. All right. To be to be fair, he did initially try to do that, and but he didn't fight that hard.
1: Well, well, I
0: th- maybe I th- not. Kolchak's story was kind of interesting too about the when you were in school and they had the the pie chart about where your money goes to. That really happens or used to happen
1: in the U S <laughs> but Kolchak, I, I, for that the Kolchak's justification of uh of investigative journalism ba- ba- based on pie or <laughs> rocky road or whatever he,
0: it, was it a little weird
1: it was it was a little weird and it didn't feel like he was very convinced himself he felt it felt to me like he was basically trying to justify his own nosiness it didn't feel like his crusade was one about uh holding holding the 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 government to account on behalf of the honest american taxpayer although he did at at the end he also made some
0: comment about that the, you know the taxpayers have a right to know and then it's my money i have a right to know i mean yes
1: (coughs) yes and 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 to me to me that was the most telling comment because it wasn't it wasn't even the fact that it was his money it was just that he had a stake in it and that that was that was his excuse for saying right and that and that and that's why i ought to be allowed to find out what's going on in this top secret government project but at the end when
0: he made the comment about somewhere they'll do it again and this time they won't have leslie dwyer to do the programming so Mm -hmm. meaning he's clearly has concerns about the implication of the the thing as a weapon so Uh, yes
1: i'm not i'm not saying that the i'm not saying that there isn't a public interest in the story i'm more saying that i'm not i'm not sure i'm convinced by colchak's Motivation, or at least his justification of his motivation. I think he was trying to equate it
0: to something that Tony Vincenzo
1: was, yes.
0: very yes. tightly integrated with, which was ice cream. I think on so. Pie, yeah,
1: and, and well, yeah, well, yes, indeed. Although, although, uh, I mean, he did also mention Watergate, which I thought was particularly interesting because um, it has a slightly different resonance. Although, when, although, when you watch it now and you think this is going to be the biggest thing since Watergate, and you think actually. There still hasn't been a bigger thing than Watergate, and not yet. We're trying. Well, ev- uh, yeah, but I mean, even <laughs> even if your president gets impeached, everyone knows. Um, you know, it's not well. I don't know. I mean, I didn't live through Watergate. I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't, don't know how much people actually knew at the time, as opposed to to, to how much um, they suspected. But still, I guess the. the point is 40 years on it feels like watergate is this big thing this episode was broadcast in january 1975 mm-hmm. watergate was like you know that 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 was fairly current trump's inauguration ago that was that recent yeah that's or at fair. least nixon's resignation was the the, the break-in it was obviously a couple of years before but I, I, I just, I mean, it's it's nothing to do with the episode, really. It's just that the, the, there they were holding up um, Watergate as being, you know, this is the biggest thing since in the last three years or whatever. And you're thinking, yeah, still, <laughs> still Watergate still feels su- such a big deal all down the years.
0: And, and apart from the death of Dr. Avery, which I don't think, you know, I don't think Kolchak may have ever put the death of the postal worker. To the robot. Well, I mean, obviously he did because he recorded it, but there's no real evidence that we were thinking about the the postal worker as being dead mm-hmm. from the robot. So it's one scientist who Kolchak didn't even know died was killed, death by natural causes. I didn't really get any indication that he suspected that foul play was involved in it, and. So you know he's just digging into it because it's a top secret government project, yeah. As opposed to there being a crime, yeah. If that and, makes any and, sense.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean the, again. I mean the, the, I've mentioned I've mentioned this sort of happening up in, in a little bit more in recent episodes that Kolchak gets given a story that appears to be a fairly routine thing in this case it's like quasi punishment he's been Mm -hmm. handed an obituary which is incredibly boring you know the lowest the lowest form of life do the obituaries and yet it turns out to be a sort of uh well not paranormal but
0: as big a story as watergate
1: wait (laughs) yeah it it yeah in other in other words it it's it's by chance that he comes across this and it was it was um by chance that he came across the uh i can't even remember the name of the monster now but the one that was frozen under the great lake
0: oh the energy eater
1: yeah the energy eater thank you uh you know so you know that was that was another example of where he was just handed something and then it happened to be this um hex file in effect whereas in the earlier stories it was much more that kolchak was actively out sniffing around for mm-hmm. interesting stories and what he found particularly interesting were some of these some of these paranormal stories I like although it. actually in this one by by coincidence he he again <laughs> sniffs both. out the yeah. other the other angle on this story which is the you know the 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 break in into the cosmetologist (laughs) cosmetologist yes Um, that guy what is with his accent
0: I don't know but his face always reminds me of Julian Glover and I know he's not him but it's just something about it every time I look at him I think no Uh, no no. hey he said aluminium so I mean he must be authentically (laughs) British
1: (laughs) okay
0: Uh, well, you know what I what I like though here is that Kolchak's nose for news is engaged. Oh yeah, you know he he goes to the obit, he sees the guy outside at the widow's house, and he knows something's up. I mean, I, before he ever walks into her house, and I think that informs his line of questioning that that there's yes. something interesting about Doctor Avery apart from the fact that he's dead. And yes it's a it's an enormous bit of luck that the robbery at the morticians the cosmetologist occurs and then he sees the guy who he had spoken to talking to the police that uh, <laughs> that was that was a, a a maybe a coincidence too far but yes yeah
1: exactly there are an increasing number of coincidences which I, you know, I have a I have a theory about uh, some shows, which is as they as they start to settle in um, and the writers find their feet and get the style and the tone of the show. Some of the writing loosens up sometimes, and I think you see this in the Avengers, particularly where in the you know series two, series three, nothing is ever a coincidence, even if it appears to be by the end of it it's all revealed and played out. By the time you get to sort of series five, it's literally just, you know, another old friend of Steed's, another best mate (laughs) of Mrs. Peel's. That's, you know, that's where the story's coming. It's not them investigating anything. It's literally just falling into their lap. But (laughs) the writers no longer care about that because they've... And and I think this is happening with Kolchak. They're, They're getting their teeth into other... Aspects of the storytelling, which in this case is very much about the conspiracy stuff, um, as, well, as well as you know the 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 actual. Um, well, I guess philosophical isn't isn't too big a word for it. Some of the philosophical stuff that we get here.
0: Yeah, and and the funny thing is, is that they could have, they could have made it a little more. And I guess maybe they, the police wouldn't do this, but Kolchak how many crimes does Kolchak respond to? Is is it just every time there's a crime that he gets on his radio, he decides to go check it out? Because, I mean, that's not impossible. We don't see them, obviously, (laughs) but...
1: How many crimes do you reckon get committed or were getting committed in Chicago in 1935? I assume it would be
0: types, you know, certain types of crimes that he would, you know, get the code, it's a homicide or something of that nature that he might... and could, stuff that
1: sounds interesting. So
0: they could have said something in those police dispatch calls that would have perked his ears up. Mm-hmm. You know, something about somebody breaking in, breaking into a mortician. If they'd said it was a mortician's, it's like, why would somebody be breaking into a mortician's? That's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Even, even if it's not his story, you know, get there on the scene, see what's happening, get a little information, maybe get a little scoop, get an article out um you know get back in Tony's good graces I could I could see that one
1: but I don't think they mentioned the sense I got which was very much a kind of consistent with the the character was was much more he was on a he was on the obituary story which he was going through the motions for although he'd started to get interested and then something more interesting came up on the scanner so he went to go to that he wouldn't have bothered he did actually say that yeah in his narration, mm-hmm.
0: go back. He said something. I can get back to more of my usual beat or something to that effect. You're right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that
0: that line. Um. um also, and and again, I, I I do I do really. I was like, this isn't like my my favorite or anything of of Kolchak. I'm pretty sure Horror in the Heights is still my favorite of Kolchak. But I like the fact. I mean, we mentioned that the creature is becoming more. Let's call it human for the want of a better word. I like the fact that it's also following a logical path through its actions. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, recognizing the problem. I stand out like a sore thumb. Yes. And even killing the postal worker is definitely kind of morally ambiguous, is the most morally ambiguous kill that the robot has. Dr. Avery, we have, Avery was going to kill him it 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 wouldn't I'm not sure it's that ambiguous well it would not pass muster even in the united states or at least in most of the united states it would not pass muster so you know we have a uh you 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 no doubt here because it's always a wild west out here and we're all just shooting each other with guns all the time that somebody <laughs> breaks into a house and the homeowner kills him which actually it never works that way. They break into the house, they kill the homeowner, whether they had a gun or not. 99 times out of 100. You just, you just ask him to get shot if you have a gun in your house. But there you go. Um, soapbox off. But, <laughs> but if you were in that such a situation where somebody broke into the house and you had a gun and you had the drop on them, you can't just shoot them. Breaking into the house isn't good enough. You have to have credible belief that you are going to be injured before that, you know,
1: before you could be but exonerated that from a crime, that does not, that doesn't even arise with the postal worker. The postal no, worker I, is, is no threat.
0: I know it doesn't even there arise. There is no ambiguity with, about it. I, I don't think there's any ambi- I don't think even Doctor Avery's death passes that test. No, that, I, that's what I no, was getting I at. S- he thinks he's going to be killed. Okay, that's true, but he didn't have to kill Avery to prevent him from killing him he could have just gotten up and walked out probably no
1: i don't i don't think there is any ambiguity i think i think at the start there is there is no kind of no morality to the actions of the robot
0: well i but okay well i guess what i was getting at was as the as the episode progresses the robot does seem to get more morality as it goes along yeah but Assuming that the argument which they use at the end was that it was trying to save its own life, which is why it killed Dr. Avery. I,
1: which is logical.
0: It's right, but it's more so and, and potentially a little closer to ethically justifiable, not saying it is ethically, but closer than the postal worker. The postal worker is a dip down. That's just murder.
1: Well, Yes, that's, but that's, that's, why, even, that's why I think there's absolutely no ambiguity in that case at all.
0: Right. Right. So, saying, so, apart from the fact that the robot seems to be going up a slope, he goes down to the postal worker and then up the slope is what I was getting at. It's, the, the postal okay. worker is yeah. worse than Dr. Avery. And that's kind of why I think it would be interesting if we had gotten any kind of output from him to Kolchak's question at the end. Yeah. Had, had he progressed to the point where he would have realized that it was not justifiable – to kill another being when your life wasn't, you know, instantly in threat, which he was not, you know? So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question in multiple ways because your, your assumption in order to, to, to pose the question of what was the, was the threat a sufficient justification is that there are some circumstances in which an artificial life, would take precedence over a human life no human would think that no human would think that but before you get to that point you actually have to establish whether you know whether an artificial life could be uh its protection could be justified in that way um so I i i mean i think i think there's certainly a lot there's a lot there there's a lot that could be unpacked um but yeah So
0: it, 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 you know, and as he progresses through, I mean, the postal worker is, is the postal worker the first person he came across? Yes. So he kills Dr. Avery and he gets out. Immediate thought, kill, get out. He's now on the street. Robot brain says, ah, stand out like a sore thumb. Need clothes. Postal worker just happens to fit the bill. Happens to be the right build. Whatever it happens to, actually it didn't even
1: fit. The clothes didn't even. Did fit. he kill the postal worker? I thought he did. I thought. Do he we did. know that? Well, it's only just occurred to me. I thought so Kolchak's, too. And now I'm uh, thinking. Did he? Kolchak's comments. Okay, so valid. Kolchak. Yeah.
0: He said, you know, he was a fan of fiery chili, which always made him late. Tomorrow, his deliveries were going to be a lot later, or the the po- the mail that was might going be to be because a lot he's later. In hospital. It could be that. Yes, but
1: it, it if Kolchak like later of, later on said. And, you know, there are these two deaths. that he, mm-hmm. I think he does at some point later on say he killed. I can't remember. I can't I remember. remember. But I, I just assumed he tonight. was
0: dead based on the way Kolchak narrated it. But
1: Well, he, in the narration, he doesn't say that. He he just says his mail delivery would be even later. And furthermore, if the robot wanted to get the uniform he wouldn't have to kill him. He would just have to knock him out, which could be what we saw happening.
0: Of course, if he if the guy saw the robot in his robot form, then that would have been a threat to the robot, too, to him hiding.
1: Maybe. Would the robot recognize that?
0: I don't know. He seemed pretty clever. That, I guess well, he point. certainly and did
1: the, seem pretty clever, yeah. The
0: immediately thing he goes after at that is got to cover up the face. Got the clothes. Got to cover the face. That's not good enough. Got to cover the face even more. And it's interesting that he picked a mortician's. I I, yes. mean, I I guess I knew about mortician's wax and stuff like that, but would it be significant? I guess I guess the wax itself would be different from a, a standard beautician. Wouldn't have anything like that. But, it, you know, my thought was he broke into something that wouldn't likely have anybody to... To see him or have to yes. kill so yes,
1: yeah
0: um, again it a responsible monster, <laughs> although he could have dropped that iron He's, grating on top of the cops and killed them all, but he didn't, so they got out of the way yeah
1: he yeah but 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 there is there is a development it's what is it's what is so surprising and so interesting about this story, and I at, at the start of it, I was kind of looking at that you know the design is kind of fairly standard i did i, I wondered to myself why they had bothered to make this robot humanoid and not quite sure we entirely knew but one thing that one thing that made me ponder about is if you look at um if you look at the cybernauts in the avengers for example the movement of them is absolutely fantastic you just you, you've really got to admire the the, the kind of direction and the choreography that's gone into making them so mechanical because obviously whenever you get an android like this it's going to be played by a human what and mr ring I, i know surprisingly but mr ring moves from the beginning very much like a human you know seeing him flexing his fingers that's a very human thing really yeah and although he moves a little bit stiffly when he remembers. It's much more flexible than if you compare it to something like the Cybernauts. Okay, but and go ahead. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, but
0: aren't we supposed to, by the end of this, question whether or not they had achieved creating something that was more human than robot?
1: Yes, absolutely. But that's so the Cybernauts I are never
0: like that. They, I mean, initially no, they were just remote-controlled no.
1: robots. Well, they were remote-controlled, but there was also there was also one with an artificial intelligence right controlling it but but you were st- you were still basically talking about a tin shell so the actual engineering was of a much lower quality than appears to be the case and, for and Mr. Ring that- so even even if you get the artificial intelligence stuff in it the the reaction that we have is shaped by our perception you know we we are being Um, anthropomorphic about Mm -hmm. this robot. If he looks more human, he feels more human to us. Fair enough. Fair enough. And And so that's what I think is particularly brilliant about the design in this episode. Because at the start, I was looking at the design and I was thinking, well, you know, they've basically just shoved a a few flashing lights on someone's face and wrapped them up (laughs) in brown material. But once he, once he went and stole the mask. And then started building up this face with the the, the mortician's putty. I like the it, fact that
0: it's not perfect either.
1: I yeah, exactly. Because I thought, oh, they, they're they're basically they're they're trying to fill in the step between what what we've seen so far and just being able to to now have an actor playing it and as if the the face was real. And they don't, they don't. What they what they give you. Is something that now, because it has this, it has this sort of slightly wrong face, but much more recognisably human face. It it it's playing on that uncanny valley stuff, right? They're mm. they're trying to to make it look more human. So so the 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 design supports this really kind of spooky imagery that we get and the the story is totally conscious of it the writer is obviously totally conscious of it because at the end we then have him removing his mask right to 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 emphasize the fact that it's not actually what how he appears to us that makes him human yeah that's it it it's it's his it's his thoughts and it's it's his selfhood as is being exemplified through his interactions with Kolchak. I think it's really well done. Hmm. So I can see why Mister Ridley Scott, if he did, know, may yeah. have picked on this if he did. Uh, the hand
0: thing you were mentioning the the finger movements at the beginning, mm-hmm. and, and we can't we can't ignore that. That's basically. An exact copy of the nineteen thirty one Frankenstein. The first thing ah, the creature does. Okay, that is, makes
1: a lot of sense. The of
0: hand it. is off the edge. It's also in the, the Doctor Who Telemovie because they're paralleling yes, that. Course. I mean that is the I'm coming to life. And yes. you know, I if if not you and I, certainly I have picked many, many times with Ben on the disservice that Mary Shelley has done with Frankenstein to scientists uh, along the way. I appreciated very much that this story was able to do both, that it was, it was still able to tell that cautionary tale of be careful of what you create. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be as bad as, you know, Frankenstein and all its, um, Spiritual heirs make it out to be. I mean, yep, okay, it did kill its creator. It killed its father. But it didn't kill its mother. (laughs) You know, and, and it was getting better. And it was learning and growing. And it wasn't just an unthinking monster that, you know, proves once again man shouldn't be fiddling around with this stuff. Even though Kolchak then, you know, at the end basically says, you know, will the next one turn out as well? effectively
1: yeah but um, but i but i think i think the, the the kind of the sentiment here is very much uh, closer to the doctor who sentiment in the sense that by and large the scientists are okay it's the military who you've really got to worry about mm-hmm. when the scientists and the military come together that's true mm-hmm. right and and
0: mm-hmm. yeah the scientists well and and dr dwyer gets fired for not By the agreeing yeah the military she,
1: she yeah. is she is not following the the defense agenda on mm-hmm. this and they and and they're overriding any any concerns she might have as a scientist. Mm-hmm.
0: so yeah no it's it's a it's a good story and I and I appreciate it um, at a number of levels Uh, Let's see, have I got anything that I want to call attention to? I I thought the scene where Kolchak visits her in her apartment the first time, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't quite tell what he was doing just before her man friend came out of the bedroom. Was he sexually harassing her? Does Does that meet that? I mean, look, Dr. Dwyer, you're a very attractive woman with very nice legs. Like, oh, oh. Oh, hard to tell that robe, but you've got a nice body. And it's like, Ew. oh, Kolchak, what are you saying? <laughs> it's like, I mean, yes, she's very attractive, but no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what he was getting at. Was he trying to flatter her up to to get more information out of her or was he creeping on her? I just couldn't I, figure out what it I think it was. he was
1: hitting on her. I think. It, I, I don't okay. know. I don't know. Does that kind it, of. It, it's work? interesting that we haven't really seen much of Kolchak's uh, romantic life since the original Telly movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the first movie, he hangs out with a hostess. Oh, <clears throat> he did pretty well in the second one, though. And of uh, course. <laughs> He did pretty well in the second one, Uh stripper,
1: uh, <laughs> but with a brain. <laughs> okay. But, so, but in the TV series, they haven't bothered to give no. him any kind of romantic interest. No.
0: So I I was just not sure what that scene was for. Or maybe it was just I, meant yeah. to for the comedy scene of having the guy come out and... I think it was
1: entirely for the comedy, so-called.
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm not saying it was terribly funny i think in 1975 that would have played very differently to Indeed. to the audiences because now to go over to a woman's house in the morning presumably and have a guy come out of her bedroom I, you know you wouldn't think twice about it in 1975 it was probably still you know a sign of the sexual revolution that was that wouldn't have been mainstream
1: Kind of thing, so it would have. Although, although your reaction at that point is supposed to be about the fact that she had been having an affair with Avery, and then there's this other man in her bedroom, Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to think, "Goodness me!" Yep, that's true. But in fact, she isn't having an affair with Avery, so this guy could well be her boyfriend, fiance, or whatever that's true that's true and and that was my first thought it was like oh
0: look so she's uh, putting it around
1: yes. kind of and, and, yeah and you know cle- clearly clearly that that is the intention and you know it works in terms of the story because we are supposed to be less sympathetic to her when we first meet her and then we start to appreciate her agenda and her role in um protecting mr ring and even
0: trying to make him better, not just not yeah. just protecting him, trying to make him something yeah. good, if you will.
1: And I and I I I thought that was really actually I thought I thought that that second conversation he uh that Colchak has with Mrs. Avery, mm-hmm. where she actually admits to having told a lie about that because she was jealous of the Intellectual bond, the, the, had, yeah. the intellectual, the intellectual connection, yeah, bet, bet, between them, um, because what that told you then was something about Dwyer's own commitment, and her, you know, how important her work was to her, which I don't think we'd necessarily appreciated there. We just knew she had worked at the institute and had left, and then, of course, that feeds into the fact that she sees Mr. Ring as as being her responsibility and being in need of protection. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I uh, had uh, an interesting reaction when Ring steps through the door and Kolchak sees him in person there in the room and his line is, good gosh! <laughs> yeah. That is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, even in 1975, I find that a, a strange phrase for Kolchak to say. It, it's almost like it's—I don't—I don't, I don't know—meant to convey something other than just surprise. Um, but I—I <laughs> I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. It's just like that is just not you. And it's the delivery of it too. I mean, it's the, the pause between the words and the. Uh, maybe it's just him fumbling for something to say. Maybe that's the intent. Is uh, he's yeah. Well, that would, left yeah, him speechless. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although this is a man who's confronted a werewolf, a vampire, uh, a uh the, <laughs> and all those other things. So you'd think he'd be a little uh, immured to it by now.
1: But uh, but we know that uh, Kolchak doesn't. Develop, or remember anything? Or remember anything the previous episode. That. <laughs> That's that's true. Um, I have to say, in general, I like I do like the way this one is is directed and and shot. And i in particular, actually, the standout uh, shot for me was after his first visit to Mrs. Avery, mm-hmm. when we see him going to to his car backing out of the driveway and then the camera pulls back to the the surveillance watching him before Kolchak pulls up and completely blows it <laughs> and it's just it it you know the the, the way that shot and the 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 fact there's kind of no music but you've got this the sound of his footsteps and the cast it's it's really nicely done um and and I think I think generally uh, the, you know direction in this one is is pretty tip-top
0: well what do you think his his motivation was for rumbling the guy just pulling up irritation just to irritate him
1: yeah getting the last word there's de- there's a definite sense of Kolchak needing to get the last word in this episode because when when he's having that exchange with uh, Dwyer's boyfriend fiance or whatever he is that you, you know he as as he's getting thrown out into the corridor and the door slammed on him, he's got to have the last word. True, true. Um,
0: I think they're I think they're getting his personality. Also, I thought it was interesting that it sounds like he made up that lead that got him to go fishing. Yes, does that is that jive? Is
1: that? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I'm. He clearly did. That's not. Yes, he clearly did. You can tell from his reaction, not just the fact that Vincenzo is suspicious enough to have given his San Francisco assignment to Uptight. Uh, but then Uptight could have
0: done this story, and he could have tracked down Mr. Ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. And I just could just I didn't put it in the uh, summary, and I should have. That's the robomatic internalized
1: nerve ganglia. For Ring, mm. wow! I thought that was that was weird. That was weird because as a name, is that a good name? No. <laughs> I mean, it seems terrible to me. It's but just, they've clearly it's just done words. it in order to get the initials R I N G. But is R A N G a good acronym? I, I no, <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so they've they've put together a rubbish name in order to get a rubbish acronym. I, what are they thinking?
0: I don't know. Unless there's something there about telephones
1: or something. <laughs> i got no idea. It, it is. I mean, it, Cybernauts, that's oh, that's terrific. But Ring? Hmm.
0: Yeah. And also the use of the word he's an expert in autonetics, which as far as I can tell isn't a real thing. I mean, there is an auto, no. autonetics division at, at in era Avionics at one of the big contractors, but... It's about avionics, not...
1: Yeah, I, 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 I had to um, say I was su- suspicious of some of the stuff that was said. I actually Googled sc- scopalamine.
0: Oh, yeah that's, uh,
1: yeah, that's a real thing. It is a real thing, but it doesn't appear to me that in any way there could be, even in exceptional circumstances, any adverse effect on memory from it.
0: Um, pentathol
1: s- is some kind of barbiturate, so that's, that's sodium pentathol is truth serum, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. So um, that 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 seems reasonable, but I I don't know. I was I my my suspicion circuits were tingling <laughs> with suspicion.
0: I will say this. And, and I know you dislike it far more than than I do. I in fact I don't dislike it. Colcheck's narrations. Um, we've had a a few problems with the the logical progression of time when he's doing his recap, perhaps, Mm -hmm. Um, but I did not like this surrounding narration. Really? Because he's sitting there at his desk going, and I better get this down before I forget it. June 13th. And he just cuts into his normal oh, yeah. voice at the rest for the rest of the narration of this episode, and then when you come back to the end, he's back to
1: drugged cold jack yes. and it That, that is very jarring. But that's because the voiceover stuff is a construction. Whereas actually, I, I, I immediately thought that this was a very different opening to the episode. Because we didn't get the usual kind of aerial shots of Chicago and mm-hmm the voiceover as some uh, prostitute goes down a dark alley or whatever the norm <laughs> is, yep. we actually have Kolchak doing his voiceover, but on camera and behaving very oddly. I mean, in familiar circumstances in the INS office, but, you know, what's going on with him? And I thought that that kind of on-camera setup was very, very effective. I agree. It, it was jarring when, you know, it switched tone in that way, but it meant I didn't hate the narration as much as usual, even <laughs> if you, for once, did. Well, he, but
0: he has in a couple of episodes done his narration
1: on camera at the beginning. Well, I certainly think that was the way it was in the in the original in the t- telly movie, wasn't it? Yeah, in the telemovie movie, we didn't see him for a while think but well that's that's my recollection of it but but coming into the into the series we 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 seem to have a kind of formula where you get the 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 establishing shots of Chicago and then you get the 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 kind of hook with some kind of crime being committed and that's where the voiceover kicks in I I don't think it's normal for him to to be on camera but even if it is yeah it's not It's not. uh, It's certainly not usual for him to be behaving as strangely, and I I thought that was a good trick. That's true. I,
0: I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cite not. I'm gonna cite one example: the firefall. Kolchak is sitting in a police car, recording his narration, covered in soot, outside a burning building. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's your opening scene. So, I mean, we they did they have done it, but yes, this one. This one provides more mystery. I don't care when he's sitting in the car and he's he's singed. There's there's no there's no I wanna know what's going on there. I just want to exactly. hear the story. But in this one, yes, you, you do have something's happened to Kolchak, it's very clear, and it it just Yeah, it just failed when one sentence to the next went from drugged to now I'm narrating it straight up and
1: yeah 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 that's that's absolutely fair criticism i thought the same so uh i don't i don't think i have anything else i just i just want to observe something put it on on the record for our (laughs) files in terms of cold check because you remember a, a couple of episodes ago we discovered that vincenzo had worked in chicago early in his career Yes, and that he'd returned to Chicago, and now in this one, Kolchak says he was a corporal p- reporter in Chicago.
0: Yes, I suppose Kolchak uh, did say that. So they're they're both native Chic- That's because nothing they've never lived anywhere else. <laughs> 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 obviously it's it's been Chicago, Chicago, Chicago all this. the time. Chicago is problematic in this story, uh, or in, in in the series. Chicago is problematic because it's not New York, which is where the press is. Or used to be. And so I'm not convinced that the Chicago office of the INS has to send someone to San Francisco. Uh,
1: Yeah. Either they've got branch offices
0: or they don't. (laughs) Because I think California, even in 1975, was probably big enough for a branch office (laughs) uh, at that time. But um, sometimes they play INS up like it's big. And sometimes they play INS up like it's small, but no, it it, it would be in New York if it was big. And and obviously that's where the home office is because they keep talking about the home office. So uh, I guess maybe it's just the, the the hubris of the East coast people that, uh, you know, we don't actually need to bother with the Western side. And if we do, we'll, we'll send somebody out who's an expert from the East. Um, Actually, there may be something to that. Uh, Said sarcastically, but anyway. Uh, All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time, if I'm not mistaken, if this was episode 12, Mr. Ring, then next time is episode 13, Primal Scream. Well, thank you for joining me, Simon. My pleasure, as always. And listeners. I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.